Hey guys, Tommy. Always be booked. A little quick little notes before the show. Just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. Always be booked. We love giving you the show each and every week. I think this is a great show coming up, and I hope everybody listens to it because I think there's a lot of benefits to this show regarding our interview with Stu. I did interview my good friend Stu, who is the owner, founder, whatever you want to call it, of Riptism. Now, in the beginning of the show, I go on a lot, and I'm going to say it. I guess I tell I said I'm going to stop disclaiming or whatever it is, but I did speak a lot in the beginning of the show. If you are not into my pre-cruise conversation, my small talk, whatever it is, it goes on for about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, it's actually 24 minutes is when the cruise the cruise stuff starts the beginning. So if you want to skip ahead to that, feel free, and that's the whole purpose of this kind of cold open right here. I want to let you know if you if you don't necessarily love the stories and this and that and how my week went, it went a little bit long this week. I talked about a few things. Uh, the topics are my trip to Tampa, Eric Church, it's strip club as well as uh, a little bit of a believe it or not Sopranos recap. So if you're not interested in listening to any of that, just skip ahead to the 24 minute mark. It is a long podcast, so there's plenty of time for you guys to listen. But if you do want to check out that stuff, feel free, enjoy. Hope you guys uh, enjoy it, and thank you so much for listening. Well, you can buy me a boat. There's a place where the boat is from. Listening to the Always Be Booked Caribbean Cruise and Orlando Vacation Cruise Cast with your host, Tommy Casabona. All aboard and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Always Be Booked Cruise Cast show coming to you not quite live from Orlando, Florida. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to find, download, and listen to the show as we cover anything and everything relating to cruising. Please, as always, top of the show, we ask you to follow me, most importantly, on Instagram. That is where the most action is. We do a lot of pics, a lot of memes, a lot of interactive back and forth stuff. And uh, we really, really appreciate the likes, comments, the engagement as a whole. Facebook, we're also on there. We have a page. It's called Always Be Booked. Go figure. And YouTube as well. You could see Always Be Booked on YouTube. Not crazy active on YouTube, but you will see some videos that we uh, upload. Quick little hits. Also some uh, cruise compilations, some montages that I make up on uh, wherever. Also, uh... Most importantly, iTunes. If you can subscribe on iTunes, review, rate, share, uh, let your friends know about it. Uh, you know, mostly just listen. Just kind of if anybody is into cruising or anybody's into podcasts, uh, travel shows, anything, uh, please, if you like the show, don't keep it a secret. Also, there is Stitcher. If you are not an iPhone user and you have a uh, Droid or whatever else there is out there, uh, or just you just like Stitcher, check out Stitcher, uh, Stitcher Radio, I believe. It's a, just search for that on any of your uh, devices that are not Apple or iPhone related. Uh, my favorite app as far as listening to podcasts, and we are on that, that I recommend is PodBay. It's very, very user-friendly. You just download the PodBay app, and you can get access to my show, 
as well as a ton of other shows, whether they're cruising, travel-related or not. Everything on iTunes seems to be on Podbay. How do I know that? Because I did not sign up to be on Podbay. I was looking. I spent about a day looking to try to get on Podbay because I love it so much before realizing maybe I should just search to see if I am on Podbay. Uh, let's just take a chance. And I did, and apparently I am on Podbay. Also, please, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. We started getting enough emails to be able to have that as a segment every week. We are going to read some emails today as well. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Email me directly. I will answer you absolutely. Uh, come hell or high water, uh, if I don't even read it on the air, I will, you know, read it any. I will, I will answer you anyway. And if you have some, I guess. I guess complaints, whether they're corrections, whether they're uh, if I got something wrong, which I promise you, guys, listen to me very carefully. I will get things wrong, uh, but you know what? Correct them. Let me know, and I will absolutely uh, check it, check it out, make sure the correction was valid, and I will read it on the air as well. All right, let's get into the show. So, this past weekend. Uh, went to Clearwater, Clearwater, Florida. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I know I've heard of it, obviously, but I hadn't been there prior to this. I had some business out there for work, and a couple of friends slash uh, slash partners, coworkers, whatever, whatever have you. We went out there as well, and uh, it turned into a nice little trip. To be honest with you, we went out there, handled some business, uh, and then sat at. Front. I don't know if you guys, if you're familiar with that area, Frenchie's Rockaway Grill. Went out there. It was a great time. Great food. Great view of the ocean. It's a beautiful beach out there. Real white sand, and uh, it seems to go on forever. It's on the Gulf Coast. You don't necessarily get that crystal green and blue water that you normally get in either the Caribbean or the, <clears throat> you know, the Southern Atlantic or anything like that. But it was still a beautiful, beautiful day. Beautiful beach. Shout out to Bianca, our server at Frenchie's Rockaway Grill. Had a great time there. Uh, the food was good. The drinks were good. Everything was great over there. So after that, we quickly uh, – we just figured, you know what? We're at the beach, you know, living in Orlando. It's not the most coastal place in the world. I know a lot of people who are really inland are, are complaining, you're in Florida, bro. You're not you, – you're in our direction uh, either way away from – an hour away from water in either direction. So really shouldn't be complaining too much, and that is absolutely true. However, you know what I mean? Day-to-day life – you know, gets in the way and you don't always get to the beach. So uh, we did see the beach and it was, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. And we decided, you know, since we were there, throw the shoes off, take a walk to the ocean and uh, at least get the feet wet a little bit. And we did that. So we were still deciding on what we should do. Should we stay in clear water? Seemed a little sleepy at the time. So um, we went, oh, by the way, no, we, we I, and I, yes, I had Eric Church tickets for Tampa. So we were planning on possibly maybe looking to sell those back on StubHub or uh, actually just go to Tampa and go to the show. The guys wanted to kind of stay in Clearwater. They wanted to stay beachside. But then when we realized there wasn't a whole lot going on, it wasn't a huge, you know, necessarily party town, uh, they were more than happy to get back in the car, head back east towards Tampa and maybe grab a hotel in Tampa and, yeah, probably go to the show or maybe not go to the show, maybe see what else is going on out there. We did. We got a hotel, headed back, and now, in my mind, we're going to the show. And uh, these guys are not necessarily as convinced as me. So we go to the hotel. It's about 7 o'clock. The show starts at 8. Now, I know on Eric Church's tour this time around, it's called the Misunderst- Mis- Mr. Misunderstood Tour. Uh, by the way, 
that album, do you guys realize, and I know I'm going off about Eric Church here, but I'm just going to let you know. You guys have to, have to get into this guy. I, I, I don't know... I know there's a lot of you that aren't country fans that listen to this show. But to me, he transcends what it is. You know there's artists that do that, that transcend the genre of music that they are in. Eric Church is absolutely one of those people. And uh, I can tell you right now, he is a beast. And these guys really hadn't they, – they've heard of him, but they weren't really interested in going to the show. They'd rather kind of rest up and maybe do a night on the town in Tampa. At about – I know it's like going back to what I was saying before. I know on this particular tour, he plays for almost three and a half, almost sometimes four hours, and there's no opening act. So he's kind of doing the whole Bruce Springsteen type thing. It's just play and play and play and play, and that's what he was kind of doing. So we, uh, we're we in the hotel. These guys are laying in bed. They're about to fall asleep. They actually did fall asleep. A couple of snores are hitting the air, and I'm like, this is not happening. I'm not having this. What I'm going to do is just start blasting Eric Church at like 7 o'clock. The show starts at 8, and I'm going to tell these guys, guys, I'm dragging you to this show. That's it. When They were pissed, man. I made them get up. I made them freaking go brush their teeth, get dressed, this and that. They're like, all right, fine. You want to go to the show? If you're going to shut up, if that's what it'll take, we'll go to the show. So I pretty much forced them to go to the Eric Church concert, which was at the – Amali is it called the Mali Arena in Tampa, where the Lightning play the main, you know, the main, the main arena, indoor arena in the city. We get there, and within probably about twenty minutes, they are locked into Eric Church. They're like, "Who is this guy?" And uh, what I'm going to do is, I already shared a picture, but I'm going to share some highlights of the show. There's no, there's really hard. It's really hard to describe Eric Church. This is a guy who went on tour with Rascal Flatts in probably about I don't know <clears throat> eight nine years ago, and he was a up and comer, relatively a very little known, and Rascal Flatts pretty much uh, were, were a huge hit act back then, and uh, Eric Church is one of their opening acts, if not the opening act or whatever it was. And he just had a rebellious attitude. He just had a, you know, he just kind of always was like the, you know, the, the country rebel type guy. I'm going to do it, you know, especially now he's a little bit more calmed down. But back then he was like, you know what, I'm doing what I want when I want to do it. So he got warned by Rascal Flats like four or five times that he should, A, stop going over his allotted time, and B, stop playing so loud because when you're an opening act, you're supposed to kind of stay in your lane a little bit and let the main you know you're not supposed to intentionally blow the you know the main act the headliner off the stage but Eric Church was doing that just because of who he is uh, he just can't help himself <laughs> and he was playing too loud and he was going too long so in New York City they sat him down Rascal Flatts like listen Eric uh, we really got to talk about this you really got to work with us you're playing too long and you're playing too loud and you got to kind of rein it in a little bit. And honestly, this is going to be your last chance. We're going to have to replace you. And Eric Church said, okay, I understand. No problem. Uh, I will do my best to conform to whatever you want me to conform to. And what that led to was Eric Church in his mind saying, okay, so this is my last night of the tour. He knew it was his last night, and he had made the decision that he was going to go out with a bang. So he uh, – <laughs> Did the same thing. Went about 20 minutes too long on this. Instructed the sound guy to crank it up. And pretty much got himself fired 
that very night in uh, in New York City on the Rascal Flats tour. So they fired him, and what happens next? Of course, he got blackballed from you know major uh, headlining country tours, and uh, he was kind of forced. Even though he had an album out, he had achieved some success, but he was blackballed from touring. So that forced him to do club dates and smaller venues, and he had to do it on his own, and he had to sell tickets on his own. So what that enabled him to do was, A, really develop some chops in intimate atmospheres and intimate venues. And it also, because he was such a hustler, I mean, he he had to hustle in this regard because, you know what, if you're going to make it, it's going to be on your own now. He booked himself solid in small venues across the country just at almost like a uh, obsessive pace that he started developing this fan base that were ultra, ultra loyal. And because of that, there was just such a synergistic feel between him and he was just known as that guy. He was pretty much a star at that point, but he would still do small shows. So he just developed a connection with his audience that made him... Uh, just gained such a huge, huge, huge following. And because of that, there's just this, uh, uh, I guess, this mystique about him as a live show. And I still can't get it. I try to explain what it's like to see Eric Church live, and it's hard for me to do it. I find myself trying to put it into words. Uh, Maybe some of the pictures um, and the videos that I'll put up on Instagram over the next couple of days will help kind of give that a little bit of a visual. But reality is, is that it's just something he's got this reserved quiet explosive energy that he's not jumping up and down and going up all around the stage like a lunatic type energy but he kind of just kind of keeps it tight keeps it low key and then he has these little mini outbursts of explosion where it's like man there is something <laughs> there's something deep in this guy where he's a uh, you know He's he's a beast. So his music, his songwriting, his 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 uh, stage performances is something that makes me think. And this is interesting too about Eric Church. You know, he's one of the main major country stars that are out there. Definitely in the top five selling or whatever it is. You know, I mean, at least as far as the new guys and stuff like that, newish per se. You know, he's not out selling Garth Brooks or anything like that. But you know, between him, Jason Aldean. Luke Bryan, you want to throw uh, ever since the, he joined The Voice, uh, Blake Shelton is in that is in that mix. You know these guys. Uh, Eric Church is in that in that mix, but he's almost on the outside looking in of those guys. And I could tell you that when Luke Bryan and Jason Aldean put an album out, you know they will outsell Eric Church pretty much all the time. But if you go to look up what the concert tickets are. They both do the same – they're both in the same realm. They're in the same kind of pecking order. So if you go and look at the shows and try to get floor seats to Blake Shelton – or not Blake Shelton. I'm sorry, Jason Aldean. Uh, I looked up Jason Aldean. I'm not sure about Luke Prime, but I looked up Jason Aldean, and it was anywhere from 85 to 150 bucks. If you try to get floor seats to an Eric Church show – it's never less than 400 bucks. In some cases, way, way more than that. So it's interesting that, it, that an artist or artists that clearly sell more than another particular artist, uh, for Eric Church's case, while he might be the one who doesn't sell as much, his shows command three, four, five times the amount of money that those other guys uh, command. Again, at least uh, Jason Aldean. I'm not sure about Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan's 
pretty, you know, he, he's he's pretty hot. They're out there. They're buying Luke Bryan. So I don't know. I haven't done that comparison yet. But it's just an interesting thing. He did a thing, uh, <laughs> just an example of who he is. This latest album and the uh, what the tour is named after, Mr. Misunderstood album. Nobody knew he was releasing that album. There was no talk of it. He and his band and his inner circle kept it under wraps that one day you woke up and there was an Eric Church album. There was no promotion, no interviews, no nothing. All of a sudden, this guy just decided to go completely rogue, even against the record label. And one day, if you're an Eric Church fan, oh, by the way, in iTunes, sitting there is a brand new album from Eric Church. And the album was a monster. It was a really, really good album. And this is what this tour is. He's actually due for another one coming up soon. All right, cool. Moving on from Eric Church. One other quick thing. Non. Oh, by the way, <laughs> after the concert, we ended up at a strip club. And I'm going to say it. You can judge me for saying this. You could judge me for being there. But you could also judge me for saying this. And believe it or not, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, right. But strip clubs are really not my thing. I don't really love... To go to strip clubs at all, I'm not offended by them. I did get dragged there. It's like you know, let's go. To, I said, let's go to a bar. Let's go to you know, we're in Tampa. Let's hang out, see what the city's all about. My friends like, nah, let's check out this strip club. We know somebody who knows somebody. That whole thing, whatever story. So we go in, and uh, you know, it is what it is. We're at the bar drinking. You know, I did, I just don't like it. Anything that you know, I don't know. Women doing things for me that they otherwise wouldn't be doing unless. I was paying them money. That's not really doesn't really do anything for me. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I don't know. If I got anything that you got to pay for that, you know, they act like they it's just the whole facade, just you know, I'm just kind of immune to the whole BS thing nowadays, but whatever it is. Uh we're at the bar. We're in Tampa. And now Tampa seems like a little bit of a wacky town. There's some normal people there, but there's some strange strange characters that uh I don't know. It's just it's just interesting. Interesting uh folk down in Tampa. And no more exemplified better than this situation right here. We're at the strip club. We got a couple of drinks and we're just kind of talking to each other. And this guy, this grizzled-looking guy walks up to us. He's got a denim jacket on. I don't even know how he got in. He's got a beard. And he just, he kind of has that, he must have known somebody as well, because <laughs> I don't think they would have let the average person in looking like this. But he just comes over to us, and he kind of just has like a murderous, blank, I don't even know how to describe the look he had in his eye, but he's just kind of looking at us. And we're like, oh, geez, here we go. He goes, hey, you fellas, you from out of town, right? You're not local. We're like, no, we're not local. He's like, all right, that's cool. What do you think of Tampa? He's just talking to us, and it's just a very, very weird vibe. And he's not saying anything outright rude or outright threatening, but this was just a situation where this was just a shady-looking character, and we just didn't know what to make of him. Is this like uh, just a guy who's friendly and just kind of seems a little rough around the edges, or does this guy have a uh, refrigerator full of uh, human heads in, in, you know, where he lives? So we're just wondering what the hell's going on. He... <laughs> After the conversation, it's getting awkward, and we're just kind of like being like, "All right, you know, nice meeting you. Good, you know, good talk. Nice meeting you. Whatever." He pauses again and looks at us and goes, "Got a proposition for you fellas." And we're like, "Oh, jeez, what is this going to be?" He goes, "You ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Me against you. Best out of seven. Loser leaves town." 
can you imagine what, what do you how do you even react to that we did nothing but just to start hysterical laughing and my friend goes best out of seven huh he's like and he just decides to stop playing along he's like i don't do best out of seven i do best out of three if you want best out of three you're on <laughs> so they do rock paper scissors best out of three my friend wins uh and we just kind of like laughed about it. He walked away. We didn't. We didn't hold him to the whole "you have to leave town" thing, but we were kind of on our on our way out anyway. So we left shortly after that. That was pretty, pretty, pretty funny, pretty interesting. And that's my uh, that's that's the image that I'm gonna have at Tampa. We saw Eric Church. We saw Clearwater Beach. We saw you know the strip club girls up there. Whatever. My image of Tampa is this guy, all grizzled up, trying to challenge us to rock paper scissors. Uh, best out of seven and loser leaves town. I was like, wow, this is interesting. All right. Uh, one more quick thing I wanted to say. This has zero to do with cruising. I just learned from somebody telling me the other day, and I actually went on YouTube to check it out and look it up. You guys fans of The Sopranos, the TV show back in the day, uh, I guess I, I don't think I have to explain it, but it's just been so long and I know I'm old now, so I forget like things that are obvious to me and like part of pop culture or whatever. Uh, some of the people that you know I work with or work for me or whatever, they've never heard of. But I'm assuming everybody out there knows what The Sopranos is. I'm assuming everybody, uh, you know, can say it's one of the most you know celebrated TV shows in American history and whatever. Now, remember the controversial ending. Remember at the end of the show when uh, Journey came on and uh, you know they're in the diner and then it just fades to black, right? Everybody was like, oh, it was very polarizing. People were like, oh, it was perfect. Or More people, I think, were like, that was a disgrace. That was terrible, this and that. All right, now, alert. See, uh, a spoiler alert. If you guys haven't watched The Sopranos or if you don't really – if you're still on a 10-year, I guess, um, question and you're still searching for the answer. Uh, again, and I don't know if this is 100%, but it was explained to me by somebody quickly. And then I looked it up on YouTube and I was like, absolutely – it's absolutely correct, and that's exactly what happened. So everybody thought like David Chase, the creator and, and um, you know showrunner of The Sopranos, left it out to be, I guess, interpreted, left it up to interpretation on how it ended and what you think happened to Tony, his family, his future, whatever, in that diner. Turns out, and I am the opinion, I'm of the opinion that he absolutely gave you the ending. The ending is in the last scene he showed you and I looked it up on YouTube and everything on YouTube supported what this guy told me and it was a little bit more in detail not that this not that you care about this but I'm just going to run through this quick just because this happened to me last night and I'm just going to check it I'm, I'm just going to kind of run over it uh, if you did watch The Sopranos and you were curious as to what happened in my opinion Tony got his blur his brains blown out on that show in that scene and it is so uh, the, expl the explanation is so clear. If you go back and watch, and if you watch highlights on YouTube, it's that that whole last scene had a pattern. It was very simple. It was a bell that rung, which was the door that opened. It went to Tony's eyes, looking directly at Tony, and then flashed immediately right after that to whatever Tony was looking at. So it went from that bell rang. Tony, cold shot, close up, boom, right to whatever Tony was looking at. Now, they showed you in that scene a guy who may or may not have been an ominous character. Could have been a hitman, could have been in Tony's mind. Some people said, oh, it was just an example of kind of like Tony's 
paranoia that he's going to have to live with for the rest of his life. That was one theory, that all these characters that walked in were just he was looking at. It seemed like they seemed to be kind of significant, but they weren't. Uh, the reality was is that Tony was just kind of like being paranoid, and the, the message was, oh, he's just going to be paranoid for the rest of his life, and that's why they were showing that scene. However, uh, when that creepy hitman... The truck driver looking hitman – I shouldn't say hitman because you don't know it's a hitman at this point. But he's sitting at the diner. Tony gives him a look. He looks at Tony. And then about halfway through that scene, they're eating onion rings. And oh, and they say this. When they're eating onion rings, they are eating onion rings like they're eating a communion wafer or like to, to, to symbolize some last rites type situation. So they all – you know, who eats onion rings by shoving the whole thing in your mouth all at once? And they all did that. They like stuck their tongue out and shoved the entire onion ring in their mouth as if like if you're Catholic or, you know, you're saying the body of Christ, amen. Uh, so that was like the symbol, symbol of them having their last rites being read to them or their last rites ceremony or whatever it was. So that's what happens. Meadow is still parking. The kid comes in. The wife is there. Meadow is still kind of parking and she's like having trouble parking. And then Tony wants to see his, you know. He wants to see her. He's, he can't wait till she gets there. But the guy, the uh, you know, the alleged hitman, gets up and goes to the bathroom. Now he is in the bathroom. Tony hears the bell. Meadow finally comes in. She's got a look of concern on her face, but you don't really know what it's about because she beca- just because she's running late, maybe she's having a rough day. But the bell rings. Meadow walks in. You see Tony, cold shot of his face. So now the next thing should be what he's looking at. What is he looking at? Black. I'm getting chills talking about it. I'm getting chills thinking about it. So it's the bell rings, Tony's face, to Tony, what Tony's looking at, and then it's black. And what they're telling you is that Tony is looking at nothing because Tony is dead. What do you guys think of that? I don't know. Check it out. If you're a Sopranos fan, let me know what you think of that. I was like fascinated after all these years to kind of – maybe that's old news. Maybe everybody knew that already. I did not know that, though. I'm, I'm into it. I was into it. All right. Let's move on. Finally, at long last, we're going to get some cruise talk. Ready to go? All right. Let's start with the news. Uh, Royal Caribbean. They have been uh, far away from Bourbon Street for quite some time now. But the cruise line has announced that they will be returning to New Orleans in 2018, the late part of 2018. They aren't necessarily bringing the wow, but at least they will have a presence uh, at the Julia Street Cruise Terminal once again. The Vision of the Seas, a modest, well, modest by Royal Caribbean standards nowadays, but it's still a very popular ship. It's going to do seven-night sailings between the Bahamas and some of the Yucatan Peninsula destinations that are in Mexico. Uh, The Julia Street Cruise Terminal handled just over 1 million passengers last season. That's going to make it the sixth largest cruise terminal in the U.S. What do you guys think? Do you you guys know? I haven't looked this up at all, but I'm thinking about doing it. What do you think of the five ahead of – I didn't know they were number six. But over New Orleans, what are the five that could be ahead? I would guess that you'd have to put Miami in there, Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale, I guess Port Canaveral. Those three are – Obvious no-brainer ones. They have to be. Uh, and then I would probably also throw New York in there, right? And then if I'm going to guess, I would say Long Beach slash Los Angeles, that terminal over there. I don't know. That's what I would guess. You could maybe also guess uh, Galveston maybe possible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Seattle? 
uh, Tampa? Not sure. But uh, I think I know the four that are bigger, but I think there's one out there. Maybe some of you guys know. I'll look it up at some point if you guys are curious, but if somebody does know, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Well, who knows? Uh, It's a good marriage. Anytime you cruise out of New Orleans, that affords you the option of essentially getting two vacations and one for yourself. Uh, I've never been to New Orleans, actually. Have you guys? Uh, I guess, uh, you know, if, uh, if you haven't, all the stories, I hear mixed reviews out of New Orleans. I hear the food is just no-brainer. It's out of control, delicious food. And I hear if you want an absolute shit show party, New Orleans is the place to be. But then I've heard back from some other people that it is a little bit of a, I don't know, charming, but kind of dirty, dirty town as well. I'm not sure. We'll see. Hopefully, eventually, I get there. Now, uh, here's one thing that may get me there uh, sooner than later. Uh, Royal Caribbean announced some new sailings as well. Uh, if you heard the show from a couple of weeks ago, you know we talked about the Panama Canal. Now, before repositioning to New Orleans on December 15th, Division of the Seas is going to offer two 16-night sailings through the Panama Canal from Miami to Los Angeles and then from Los Angeles back to New Orleans. That's awesome. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of Panama Canal activity with Royal Caribbean. I have not even looked up these sailings yet, the ports or whatever, since we know we have a pretty good feel for the Panama Canal run. We can uh, find out those destinations and apply them to whether or not, along with the price and everything like that, whether or not we want to sail the uh, Panama Canal crossing in either direction for, um, you know, for the Royal Caribbean Vision of the Seas. All right, moving on. We spoke last week about Carnival and how the Broadway-style entertainment on many ships uh, and cruise lines in general can be underwhelming, uh, especially if you've seen it once or twice. We also mentioned that we're, uh, you know, there are many exceptions to this, and obviously with some of the cruise lines offering their versions of actual Broadway hits, along with the Carnival cruise lines bringing the playlist productions to the table, uh, apparently it may no longer be necessary to blow these uh performances off these theater shows if you've seen them more than a couple of times Uh, and in the spirit of elevated levels of entertainment it looks like princess cruise lines has two hits on their hands uh born to dance coming out of their partnership with steven schwartz uh it will debut on the regal princess this october steven schwartz is a very prolific musical composer producer what have you just a big shot in the musical industry and uh, they part. He partnered up with Princess Cruise Lines. He helped uh, bring mega hits to Broadway, such as Wicked, Godspell, um, and Pippin. And now, as we said, is set to launch Born to Dance. It apparently is a dynamic show with high energy music and dance. I don't have any info on a storyline or anything like that. Uh, all I'm hearing is that it's awesome. Uh, the other show that they have is called Encore. It's already actually been released on the Coral. Island and Sea Princesses, uh, is that the way to say it? Coral Island and Sea Pri- the Coral Princess, the Island Princess, and the Sea Princess, and will soon be re- soon be released on the Royal Princess as well. Encore, they say, is a more of like a little bit of a dynamic, uh, dramatically moving show that is a little on the deeper side, plot-wise, than most of what you might see on a cruise ship, and is uh, loosely based on Bravo, which is another popular production from Princess. So. Good news out of the uh, show, uh, the show category, the main theater production category on Princess Cruise Lines. Definitely check out one of those if you're going to be on any of those sailings. 
All right, moving on. The Port of Miami. Have you guys ever sailed out of the Port of Miami? More importantly, have you ever not sailed out of the Port of Miami? Have you guys ever been there? It, I mean, it's out of control impressive. When you look, all those ships are lined up like that. I mean, there's a lot of ports, and some of them have maybe there's – at some points there's, you know, Port Canaveral has a ship here, a ship there. They're kind of facing a little bit of, you know, different directions. And same with New York. They may be lined up next to each other kind of. When you go to the Port of Miami – they're all lined up on one long dock, and it is really, really impressive to see. It's just like a, just a, a, a an army, an armada of of cruise ships, kind of just lined up together. And if you know, it's hard to even capture it in a picture. You can look up and check out some pictures of it, but it's even hard to kind of capture in a picture because you need a really wide angle camera and a really good lens. Um, we're going to eventually do a South Florida port profile. And one of the things we're going to cover is a gorgeous park at the South Point Pier. It's absolutely a perfect place to watch these ships go by. I mean, there's jetties you can sit on. There's park benches. There's a gorgeous park right there. And a long pier you could actually walk out on where on one side you're literally looking right at the cruise ships. You feel like you could touch them on one side. And the other side is the very, very beginning of where South Beach starts. Great, great, great place to be. There's people fishing off the pier and everything. Oh, and also, they have a Smith & Walensky's over there as well. So you could sit down and, you know, if you want to have some high-end steak or some seafood, you can sit at Smith & Walensky's and have a perfect, perfect view of the cruise ships going out to sea one by one. And that whole process takes forever. I mean, I did it. I was trying to wait out the whole thing one time when I did it, and it was just like, man, there's too many damn ships. You get all it's, – it's nuts. Uh the Port of Miami is set to build a brand new $100 million cruise terminal for Norwegian called Terminal B. Who comes up with these names? Who names these things? How about a little imagination, guys? Come on. Anyway, the terminal will be able to handle two mega ships, and in order for this to happen, Norwegian has agreed to a guaranteed 52 calls at the port by ships that are over 3,000-person capacity. That's a lot, man. Norwegian's like, no problem. We got it. All right. Moving on. The Port of San Diego is looking to rebrand itself. I guess when businesses do this, they are thinking that they're more than what the general public perceives that they are. And to be a, uh, apparently, I guess they, they want to re-educate, they want to re-communicate, they want to show you what they bring to the table in a more dynamic way because they think what they're doing right now, hey, listen, we got to get this out there. We do this, this, and this, and people don't really know it. So let's, you know... While we kind of like freshen up our logo, freshen up our, you know, whatever, our, infra I guess, marketing infrastructure, this is just a rebranding. They're going to launch a new logo, and they're going to try to create more attention to the five port cities they cater to, along with the five functions the port itself, I guess, looks to carry out, which are maritime activity, obviously, waterfront development, which is just the bars, restaurants, museums, or, uh, retail shops, or anything that's you know you can do or enjoy along along the waterfront. Uh, public safety, and that's just something I guess they just put a high premium on. I don't necessarily look at that as a huge marketing value thing, but I guess they do. Um, experiences in general and environment, I guess as a whole. Which I guess the last thing are kind of three to me. They're like a little on the uh, you're kind of reaching for straws from a marketing standpoint, but that's what they go with. Uh, we have a quote, and it's from uh, Rebranding the Port was a thoughtful and deliberate business decision, said Rhonda Coniglio, president and CEO of the port. She also goes on, to the extent our brand enhances under, 
To the extent our brand enhances understanding of what the port does and contributes to the region's prosperity and quality of life, it will directly benefit multiple audiences. Residents, uh, and this is also her still talking, residents and visitors will understand the opportunities they have to enjoy, uh, recreation, dining, shopping, public parks, and open spaces and more. She noted tenants will thrive as more people come to the waterfront and port staff will benefit from a brand that is a rallying point and source of pride in the organization to which they contribute each and every day. Makes sense. I get it. So, you know, San Diego, it's a pretty simple thing. I don't necessarily think a whole lot uh, is going on from what they're doing. They're not adding a bunch of stuff. They're not constructing anything. They just are uh, rebranding the way they send their message out to the public in efforts to hopefully gain some more notoriety, some more engagement, uh, just more, I guess, uh, make a little bit more sense of what the Port of San Diego is. All right, moving on. So today we have a guest. We don't do guests uh, terribly often, but we have Stu on the show today. Stu is a a really, really good friend of mine, uh, a former co-worker, um, a guy we've cruised with. Uh, we've gonna, been on several cruises together in groups and stuff like that. And, you know, Stu has a uh, a, a workout video out there called Riptism, and when he's at sea, he plays a big part in making sure, you know what I mean, a lot of the people that we're cruising with make it to the gym and make sure that, because one of the biggest questions about getting on a cruise ship is, how do I not completely blow up into a slob while sailing and while I'm at sea? And Stu has over 15 years of fitness experience. He's a personal trainer. He has a very, very successful video out there called Riptism that he does with his partner, Jeff. And, uh, you know, they, they are, uh, I mean, they, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. It's an amazing video. I've done it. It's not easy. It's tough, but, uh, it's, you know, in the vein of one of those P90X or insanity programs, but I mean, you can get it for a hell of a lot cheaper. And to me, it's a lot more realistic and it's done with more of a personal touch. So, uh, we're going to have Stu on and, uh, I'm going to play that interview for you guys right now. And uh, sit back and hopefully enjoy this little cruise talk, little fitness talk, little fitness at sea talk, uh, and whatever else we kind of, you know, get into with me and my buddy Stu. Hope you enjoy it. Keith Urban, Mr. Worldwide. They say life is short, so I'm going to live it up. Tonight is going down till the sun comes up. Like a hips are on fire There in the headlights Dancing like she's in a movie scene To die for and it's killing me Stars are out But the fade fast Gotta make it last I'm so close to heaven So just hold the light Cause I need the light Sun, don't let me down And welcome back everybody Always Be Book Podcast. We got Stu on the line, my buddy Stu, cruise buddy, fitness expert. Stu, how are you, pal? Hey, Tommy. Hey, uh, cruise lovers out there. Good to be here. All right, great. So I wanted to have Stu on the show. It's a long time coming. I actually did have Stu on the show way, way back. We talked about a uh, cruise that we went on. I think it was that uh, Carnival Live. No, was it the Carnival? Yeah, it was the Carnival Live cruise that we went on. Sam Hunt, how can you forget that? Yeah, that's true. That's true, my bad. Anyway, Stu is just a lover of cruises, but he's also, like I said, a personal trainer. He's also got a uh, video 
uh, on the market right now called Riptism. We're going to talk about in a little while, but just want to talk about a few things regarding cruising in general. So this is a show about cruising, as you guys know, for the most part. I know I drift off on tangent sometimes, but uh, it is a show about cruising, and I know, Stu, you are a big fan of cruising. I wanted to maybe open up with uh, your thoughts on some of your favorite things about just being at sea and being on cruises. Oh, my gosh. Where do I start? I mean, I, I go back and forth. and I, As I tell my friends, a lot of my friends are against cruisings. I, I feel like a lot of people that aren't used to it, um, they get a bad rap. They have a misconception about what cruising is. They prefer the all-inclusive resorts, which I also like myself. But as far as cruising goes, I feel like you get the best of everything. Um, the things that you don't get as far as the nicest room in the world, like you would get in an all-inclusive resort – I feel like are greatly overseeded by the stuff that you do get. And that's, you get, you get to explore multiple different ports. You get to go to countries and islands that you've never been to before. The entertainment options are nonstop where if, you, if you're sitting at a resort, you know, you're basically sitting by a pool or you're sitting on a beach and that's what you do all day. And on a cruise ship, you know, you got the pools, you got all the games and stuff on deck. You got the casino at night. You got, karaoke you got a piano bar you got live shows you got the shoppings when you get to port i mean there's just endless amounts of fun to be had you got the shore excursions um and then the food options i mean i mean if you pick the right ship i think it's uh you the 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 for foodies like myself and you i think cruise gets a cruising gets a bad rap a lot of people think it's it's just a gross all-inclusive buffet um, and the and the options are minimal, but I, I feel like there's a lot of great choices of food on ships when you pick the right ship, um, from the nice restaurants on boats these days to the buffet options. Which yeah, there's some there's some crap mixed in there, but you got a lot of good food at all these places. So if you like to eat, um, you can eat healthy, you can slob out. Uh, I do a little bit of both, um, but from the food to the entertainment. To the, the the nice gyms now on on boats to for fitness lovers like myself, um, and then just laying around relaxing, looking out at the sea, 360 degrees around you. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I get it, and, and I and it's a good point that you bring up. Like, what, what's what's the reason you cruise? Because what what I think you find is that a lot of people who do cruise. You know, the minute I did it, I became an addict, and I know a lot of people that listen to the show uh, just. The from that first time they take that cruise, that first cruise, they just want to kind of immerse themselves in all things cruising, and that's kind of what it is for me. And then what you do is you can't help yourself, but I guess you know try to introspectively look look at why why do why did I fall in love with this thing? And when I kind of you know when I when I'm on a cruise ship and I got a couple in me and I'm trying to think about why I'm absolutely in my happy space right now, I, I come up with a couple of things. I think like. I don't know, and this is kind of weird. It's getting a little deep, but I, you know, you know what I do for a living, and my job, and I kind of like uh, go from place to place a little bit here and there, and it's always by choice. You know, I always, you know, it's not like I'm being moved around or cattled around or herded around, but I kind of like to look into different things. I like to do something for a little while, straighten it out, move on to the next thing, and see what else is out there. I don't necessarily love to plant my feet. I guess that has to do with a lot of uh, my, <laughs> my status as a as a single at, at my age or whatever too as well. But when you're on a cruise, and when I get on a cruise, I don't really feel like I'm just going on a vacation. When I go to a land-based vacation, you check into the hotel, okay, now what are we doing? Of course, plenty of stuff to do. There's plenty of options. But I feel like I'm on an adventure. I feel like I'm on a journey. You're in the high seas. 
Above you is an endless sky. Below you is up to seven, eight miles of just ocean. And you are in the middle. You just get a feel. And, you know, as you're flowing with the sea and the water and the waves bumping you up and down, you get a feel how powerful nature is and how, I don't want to say the word insignificant, but how just little you are compared to what you think you are in the grand scheme of things of the universe and stuff like that. And you're on you're on this adventure. You're seeing multiple islands. You're always going somewhere else. You're always on your way somewhere. And you're doing it with 3,000 other people. You know what I mean? You're like on this adventure together. And I feel like, you know, when I really kind of sit down and think about it, that's what I kind of like about cruising a lot. That's a great point you make. And just looking out over those railings and being at the mercy of the sea, as you said, and seeing no land in sight and knowing like you're on your way to some island that maybe you've never been to before. And you're right, that sense of adventure, that sense of mystery, like what's tomorrow going to bring? What are we? What am I going to see when I when I step on land? Am I going to go into a rainforest? Am I going to, you know, am I going to jump on a zip line? Am I going to take a, a riverboat uh, ride down an inner tube? I mean, the options are endless, and and that sense that you're right. I'm I'm not I'm not the most um, explorative person. I haven't backpacked through Europe, but when I get on a boat, you're right. My sense of adventure and um, just being at the mercy of the sea and wherever this boat docks, I think it's you're right. It's really cool. You get a little introspective too as you look out of the sea. Yeah, and you and you kind of contemplate life a little bit more so than you do if you're just sitting in a beach chair in one spot looking out at the same, you know, little patch of ocean that you're in front of in front of your resort. What I also love about it too is just, you know, like me, me and Stu had worked together previously and we've taken cruises, you know, right right from work, honestly. And, you know, just, just the, the beauty of being able to kind of like be in the, you know, the, the, the lion days of March where it's a little bit chilly and the snowflakes might be coming down, maybe a little wintry mix is coming down. You got a couple of layers on, but you're all packed up and you make your way over to the pier in New York City. You look at this ship and you basically are, you got a suitcase full of bathing suits and this thing that you're going to get on in the freezing cold right now, the minute you step on it is a vehicle. It's a transportation device that you're going to sleep on and in two days you're going to wake up in San Juan, Puerto Rico on the very same device. It's almost like being teleported, like, like transported to like another part of the world. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, I, I just, just really feel, it's just a cool feeling. You know what I mean? I agree, and I know, and I never lose sight, no matter how many cruises I've been on, of like the the majestic sense of it. Like we've all stayed at hotels, infinite hotels, but I don't care how many cruise ships you've seen. When you step on one of these monstrosities, and the scale of it, and the the fact that you're on literally a floating city, yeah, that is like a couple football fields long, and and thirteen levels high, and you're 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 going from bar to bar to restaurant to gym. Like you're on this vast property and you're on a boat that's floating on the water. It just it that sense of just um, pure um, majesty. I, I, I it never it never gets old to me. Exactly, and then you're you're basically on this thing, and like you said, three football fields long, 13, 14, 15 stories high, uh, a couple of hundred, you know, at least a hundred thousand tons. And it's literally built to entertain you around any corner, every corner. So 
All right. So enough, enough uh, kind of waxing poetically about our love for cruising. I, I just, I, it's good to hear somebody else kind of knowing I'm in the same quote unquote, lack of better term, no pun intended boat uh, that I am as far as just having the passion for this type of uh, vacation, this type of mode of transportation, you know, the prices, right? We all talk about that. Uh, we all talk about the adventure, all that stuff. But uh, Stu and I, like we talk about sometimes, and you guys have heard me talk on this podcast about some of the hijinks and the trials and tribulations that I have taken part in when I do cruise. Stu is very, very often my partner in crime amongst other people. We've been on a couple of cruises together here. Uh, we've had some pretty sick times. Uh, <laughs> I want to know if you if you can go. Does anything stand out as, as far as stories go or some wacky stuff that's happened at sea uh, during some of our debaucherous cruises together? I think on our last trip, um, the story that stands out, you know, Tommy and I last October um, went on the Carnival Splendor. And the story that stands out most to me um, involves a couple young ladies. I remember being, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you know what I'm talking about, yes. I think I can tell from your reaction that you do. Yeah. Um, uh, our friend Chris, um, who I'm sure we'll mention later on, uh, and I were standing at the uh, the, life, the lifeboat drill um, that you have to do at embarkation. And, and standing next to us um, with their life preservers. Are, are two beautiful girls, one of which I found particularly beautiful. And I was kept saying to Chris, I'm like, look at those girls. We got to find, we have a week to, to find them and talk to them on this boat. Like I need to talk to that girl. She's beautiful. So remember that as I enter the story. So I think it's the first or second night there. Um, we go to the nightclub and Chris, Tommy and I walk in Oh, Tommy, you weren't there at first when I when I saw what I'm about to describe. Probably not. And mind you, we're on a Sam Hunt Carnival Live cruise, so there is no shortage of beautiful women. So yes, this girl is really pretty. Stocked, it's stocked. But this one caught my eye in particular. What do we call them again? Pockets. Yes. We call Tommy and I refer to little clusters of beautiful women as pockets, and more of more of like a, a way to kind of like identify their location, like right. pocket four o'clock. Pocket. You know, I just saw o'clock. a nice pocket on the Lido deck. Yeah. Pocketry. So, Pocketry pocket. by noun. So I I op- I I go into this nightclub with my buddy Chris and I see two girls um dressed to the nines in cocktail dresses and they're dancing it up with each other on the dance floor, grinding on each other, and then they walk over to the couch section of the club and there's a guy sitting um, on one of the chairs, uh, who they're obviously with a group of guys and they start giving lap dances, um, which I literally, I can't describe it any better than a lap dance. It was a stripper like lap dance that they're, that they're doing to these girls. And it was, um, I couldn't take my eyes off it. I mean, these girls were really pretty and I, I, I didn't get it close enough to really see their faces, but by their bodies. And I could tell that they were just really hot girls and they were really into dancing and they were really into turning these guys on. So I watched this for a good 10 minutes as these girls alternated uh, giving a couple guys lap dances. And finally, I just got so frustrated by watching it and because it wasn't me sitting in that chair, <laughs> I, had, I had to walk away. So cut to the following, following night. Um, I remember this, by the way. You said I wasn't there. I remember where I was. It was a little bit after dinner. I kind of went into the I, – I took a little casino break. I'm always trying to sneak in the gambling breaks whenever I can. And I remember I met you at the club after this, and you were explaining this to me just yeah, as you are right now. I was explaining to Tommy how we saw two ridiculously hot girls giving lap dances to a couple guys, and I was jealous of them. 
and I hated myself that I was standing alone with my buddy and I had to leave the club. And let's just say, it, you know, the way they were dancing from the way you described it, it didn't sound like it was their first day. Correct. So cut to the following night. We're up on the Lido deck, kind of like an after dinner. It was like our spot to like gather and have a couple of drinks at the bar before we decided what we were going to do for the rest of the night. So I, we, Tommy, Chris, and I approach this bar and we see two girls um, sitting at the bar. They're like in pajamas. They're not dressed up. There's no makeup on. But I realize it's the same two beautiful girls that I met at the lifeboat drill. And I'm like, holy crap, Tommy, those are the, those are the girls that I saw on the first day standing at the lifeboat dr drill with Chris. I need to talk to them. Let's, let's all sit down. So I sit down, and I'm not usually the opener. I'm not good at this. But I sit down uh, right next to them and order a drink, and we all start talking, and it seems like it's on. Like it's like they're, they're responding. Yeah. We have good conversation going, a good vibe. Chris and Tommy are sitting on the other side of these girls. And they're asking, you know, how the cruise has been. It's like day two. They're like, what'd you guys do last night? And I proceeded to describe to them how I went to this nightclub. I saw two girls that were ridiculously hot, dancing like strippers and grinding on these guys. And I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And I got so frustrated that these girls were dancing like strippers and it wasn't on me that and I was going on and on about now, how yeah. – now, I this said, part, I must have this, said the word stripper a hundred times. That's what I was going to say. This part I was there for, and you kind of let it known that these girls were, I mean, borderline like hookers on the dance floor, just right. just grinding it out, stripper-type moves. I mean just almost – And I was, I was yeah. sort of complimenting them to, in my mind, but to any girl listening to that, it probably didn't come off as a compliment. Correct. So as I'm telling the story, I noticed Tom and Chris are like kind of whispering to each other. And I well, no, because they were laughing. They started laughing to each other and they started quizzing you about these girls. They started yeah, asking like, you. What, what were they wearing yeah. is, is, what the, is what the girl next to me, the one that I liked, said to me. And I don't know where this word came from, probably from my ex-girlfriend because she used it a lot as to describe a, a female clothing uh, called a romper, which any girls listening will know what that is. It's like a, you know, sort of like a short sundress type thing. I said the word romper, and I, I uh, as a straight male, I, I immediately, I, I, I can't, couldn't believe that 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 the word came out of my mouth. Well, that, well, that we'll just never speak of this again. Right. So, except everyone that's listening to it will have heard it. <laughs> so I said she was wearing this silver romper, and she immediately cracks up, like falls off her chair, laughing in my face, and all of a sudden, like panic strikes my heart. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my God. And then, then I realized what I've, what I've done. I'm like, these are the girls, the girls I met at the lifeboat drill are the same girls that were dressed like strippers the next night dancing in the club that I was drooling over. And I've just called them strippers to their faces, um, as I'm trying to pick them up. Talking and to them, describing, describing their strippers their that you saw yes. speaking to those particular girls that you actually saw that you you can't write yeah and that was true what you said before because i wasn't sure and i was standing next to chris and it was kind of slowly developing and i'm not gonna lie uh you enjoyed I, you enjoyed watching me go down this road not even that oh yeah 100 percent, i enjoyed it but that's not even where i was going i saw it sort of coming when they started giggling the yeah. way they started giggling i couldn't confirm it and then chris said to me tommy 
those other girls. I'm like, you don't know that, Chris. You got to let this play out. You got to let it play out. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I tried to recover and explain to them that I was giving them a compliment. Um, and I think it was fine. Like, we ended up hanging for, with them for the rest of the night. We got late night pizza. All seemed to be well. Um, we saw them every day. They were very friendly. But needless to say, uh, no, no chemistry was sparked from that conversation. And they stayed with their crew of guys for the entire cruise. And I was left uh, alone. Um, oh, yeah. You were left alone. You, you, this guy, was, this guy I, mean, I don't know if who knows Stu, but Stu's a very handsome guy, you know. Uh, I could say that as a straight a straight male, and he's probably uh, you know if he if he he will recognize a quarter of an ounce if he went a little too high with the carbs one night. You know he, but he <laughs> let's just say Stu's in, Stu's in good shape, and we'll talk about a little bit more of that with the riptism stuff later on. But uh, Stu is right, you know they did get a kick out of it, and we did have a good conversation. And these girls were great sports about it. Typically, if you're going to be you know dancing you know like strippers on the dance floor, they know what they did. They were having a good time. We were all having a good time. It's vacation. Why the hell not but yes it did make for a uh, uh not an overly it could have been really really awkward if these girls were a little bit more uptight than they were but it was not awkward they were kind of cool about it but yes needless to say wasn't necessarily a love match after that if, if so you can blame it on my, my lack of game in describing strippers to the girls i'm trying to pick up or it could be our buddy Chris dressing in adult costumes, doing belly flops in front of them in the afternoon. Oh, my oh. gosh, yeah. It's so true. Either one of those two things, uh, I think, um, did not positively affect my ability to connect with these girls. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, though. That was a great six-day run, man. There was a lot of highlights to that cruise. That was a Western Caribbean sailing. We hit up Jamaica. We hit up um, the best. Well, the, the, uh, we hit up Grand Cayman. And we ended up on uh, Cozumel, Mexico. Had a blast the whole time. Crazy, crazy stuff that went on. I mean, what are some of the other stuff that went on with me and you at sea per se? Uh, oh, that that was the same cruise where I was gambling. Sam I was gambling late into the night, and uh, oh god, I was so yeah, that was the night where I got a little separated. And you know, normally I pretty much am drinking most of the days and kind of like keeping it together, but. I will say that pretty much on at least once, probably probably around once, maybe one and a half times on each cruise, I uh, quote unquote go dark, and uh, you know that was one of the nights where uh, the the deck party and you had met up with uh, a couple of friends that we had made on the uh, on on the in the after part of the ship by the pool, uh, yeah, yes. and uh, I just I just like you know what I just was focused. It's me against the casino, and this was one of the last nights, and I went, and uh, I. I <laughs> I don't really even remember a lot of this. I got to be honest with you, but uh, let's just say I didn't have a good night at the casino. Except the very next morning, I got a call saying, "Mr. Casabona, you lost six hundred dollars in the casino last night." I'm like, "Well, thank you for letting me know because I wasn't ex- <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure what my tallies were, but yeah, okay, so I'm down six hundred. That makes sense." They're like, "No, sir, you you lost." 600 you lost it on the floor you gotta you gotta you gotta come down and pick it up we got you on camera i think i told this story i'm being a little redundant and i, to, I spoke i told this on another story but yeah so they, they uh you know between that between uh you know starting our cannonball competitions in the back and kind of just like taking over the whole aft portion of the ship we had a, we had some good times man with that concert and still still uh I talked previously about Eric Church in the intro to this podcast, and uh, Stu has his own little Eric Church uh, style man, man kind of crush. man crush, yeah. and it is with you know newly discovered Sam Hunt from this cruise. Cruise, uh, uh, Stu, tell us about this cruise and how you uh, 
started to develop an affection for I mean, us. That, Tommy, I'm a country music kind of fan. Tommy's a real country music fan. I had heard of Sam Hunt, but I wasn't really familiar with his whole album. I knew like House Party, but I didn't really know anything else. And Tommy told me, knowing the kind of music I like, he was like, you're really going to like this guy. So I kind of went in it with uh, mixed ex- expectations. I'm like, nah, I'll probably like a song or two. So it's like a country blind date, basically. Yeah, it was a country. I set you up. <laughs> It was. It was a country blind date. I thought, figured I'd like his first song, and then I'd be like, eh, you know, sounds like every other country guy. But lo and behold, he kept singing songs that I kind of knew, and the ones that I didn't know I freaking love, which never happens that I like an entire album of, of some some guy. Um, and then the crowd he attracts, obviously, is my kind of uh, female audience. I mean, it just one, one beautiful girl after another um, is generally the way country music fandom works. And, uh, yeah, I was in awe. I was in awe of this guy. I mean, he, I, I wanted to be him, and I was sad that I was not him. This is a, you know, tall, yeah. good-looking, tall, tall, good-looking, talented guy with hundreds and hundreds of girls screaming after him. Um, and he came on like a ship passing in the night. He came onto the boat when we docked in uh, Cozumel, did his performance, and then apparently was escorted right off the boat back to his island in his private jet. And that was for the for the best, honestly. He, he There was not an, a level... I mean, you talk to these girls. I mean, how many girls did we talk to on that ship, dude? Whether yep. it's in the hot tub, whether it's in the pool, whether it's walking around. And every, every single one of them had the same routine and the same line saying, oh, yeah, he doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to be, you know, kidnapping him or marrying him or getting him to impregnate me or whatever the hell they were going to think they were going to do. Yep. There would not have been enough. If this guy was on the boat trapped on this ship, uh, there would not have been enough security that can keep these girls away from him. No, no. Yeah. Um, that's that's and. I think he was newly uh, engaged at the time, yeah. and uh, that's not a trip that you want to take with uh, your your fiance. If, if he was a single man, he probably would have stayed on the boat a couple nights. Man, but he not, must have had not, some not, not with girlfriend in hand. He must have had some crazy nights out for that guy to get engaged and to be over the whole scene. Man, he must have lived his life for the last yeah, he's five years. Full life at the age of uh, <laughs> you know twenty six or whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. Yeah, so we had some good times, but the main reason I wanted to bring Stu in was to talk about one of the biggest and most talked about subjects regarding the cruise life, uh, which is fitness at sea, or in some cases, maybe lack thereof. One of the most obvious features of cruising is the gluttonous amount of food that you have access to, and it's all absolutely free. What I wanted to have Stu do was maybe talk a little bit about the psychological challenge that kind of presents itself when somebody who has any intention of staying in any sort of shape during this sailing is is faced with. So, Stu, what are some of the things that make it so that people just want to get on a cruise and, 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 and just be so undisciplined? Well, here's the thing, and I've thought a lot about this, and... When you when you book a cruise, right, and you know that you've paid your thousand dollars or whatever you've spent, and it's all done, and now you get you get to drink and eat whatever you want for a week at sea, I think the mentality creeps in is like, oh, I, I gotta just eat my way through this boat to get my money's worth. Like I I've just paid for unlimited food, so now I need to eat unlimited food so that I can feel that I got my money's worth and had a great time and really lived a full experience. But when you, it's absurd kind of when you think about it. And I'm all for eating. Trust me. I'm a health and fitness nut, but I can eat, as Tommy will attest to. I eat, I'm not some guy that just eats uh, uh, lettuce and tuna salad every day. I can eat. So I'm- and, and hold on, Stu, one second. When, when, I, when, we, when we talk about riptism later, I'm going to tell you what the links are on the websites and stuff. You're going to look at Stu. And yeah, it's good. I've watched him 
it, it's it's actually infuriating being able the, to the three cheeseburgers yeah. and, and fries that I ate on yeah. our last night of the That's Splendor. what I was just about to say. It's kind of infuriating that when you see you'll know what I'm talking about, when you that he can look the way he looks and he could take down three cheeseburgers in one sitting. But I think that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna get into a lot of the reasons why he is able to do that stuff. But I'm sorry, go ahead. So I I mean the mentality of I have to eat ten times more than I do on a normal basis is obviously flawed. I mean to Think about this. I get the idea, and trust me, I eat more on a cruise than I do in normal life. I mean, it's it's plentiful, it's available. So I'm not telling people not to eat a little bit more than they normally do. You've paid for it. You're on vacation. By all means, you need to splurge and enjoy yourself. But on the other hand, you also don't want to get to the end of your cruise week, have gained 15 pounds, feel disgusting and miserable when you walk off the boat of your vacation and say, well, I just had a fun week. But now all that hard work I put in the rest of the year to try to look the way I look, I've just ruined it all, and I'm going to be miserable for the next three months trying to fix it. So I, I you know, I think there's a there's kind of a happy medium. And no. for me, the way I kind of handle that is whether you're a fitness nut like me, or you kind of go to the gym every once in a while, or you don't go to the gym at all. I, for me, getting up every morning, even if I spent all night drinking at the casino or the nightclub on the ship. I make sure every morning at nine o'clock or whenever it is, I don't sleep. I don't like sleeping in my cabin. I paid for a cruise so I can look out at the sea. I don't like to spend it in a, in a, in a 10 by 10 foot room. So I get up no matter what physical shape I'm in and I go to the gym and I'm not saying you need to spend three hours in the gym. You don't need to be spending three hours in the gym on your vacation either. You should be outside. But take a half an hour, 45 minutes, and sweat it out. Do something. Get on the treadmill, even if you're walking for a half an hour. Do a circuit. If you don't, know, if you don't have a trainer or you don't, you don't know really what kind of fitness regimen to put yourself through, do a little circuit. Go, to, go one, from one machine to the next, kind of nonstop. Keep your heart rate up. Don't take three-minute breaks and just sweat it all out. You know, I, I like to do – I have a, a routine called Riptism, um, a video program that I made, which we can talk about later. But I do that. It's 35 minutes from beginning to end, high intensity intervals of weights and cardio. And if you don't do it, whether it's my program or something else, cardio mixed with weights, keep, keep, get your heart rate up for 30 minutes to 45 minutes, sweat out all the toxins, all the sugary drinks that you drank the night before. And not only will you kind of keep the pounds off, but it kind of rejuvenates you. It's like a detox. You sweat it all out and you're like, you know what? Mentally, you feel rejuvenated. You're like, wow, even though I just pegged out the day before, I now can feel good about going back up onto that Lido deck and ordering a drink and eating at the buffet, and I can kind of start over now. And I'm not just piling crap on top of crap to where I'm going to walk off this boat feeling like a different person and disgusting after my nice seven-day relaxing vacation. Totally. Well, I want to get into that. I want to talk about that stuff and what you do in the gym and this and that, but Let's let's go back to the food for a second. So we talked about there being all this food all over the place and all you have access to and everything like that. Let's just say before we even think about the weights or the activities or anything like that because I do want to get to that because I think you'll probably say and I do agree with you that that is the most important part of it. How active you stay and what you're doing to make well, sure that you're right. How you the, the 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 food choices you make is equally if not more important. Yeah, but so what so what do you do with all this food around? And having access to this stuff, do you do you have any tips or tricks, you know, just from an eating standpoint to uh, kind of, I guess, keep a tent on top of the circus? A hundred percent. And for me, and this works with a lot of people, not everyone, but for most people, you always hear people talking about limiting your carbs 
and your sugar intake, that's that's going to be true for most people. I mean, if you can go to those buffets and make yourself a big salad with, and it sounds it sounds like, oh God, he's telling me I got to eat nothing but salad. I'm not. I'm telling you, but healthy options, whether, you know, look at those buffets. You got all kinds of chickens. You have all kinds of steaks. You have all kinds of fishes. Eating protein and meats like that, fill up your plate with chicken and steak and fish, all of the above. A big plate of that mixed with some greens and some salads. That stuff's going to fill you up with good protein and it's going to keep you lean. But when you go to those buffets and you fill it up with pasta, and rice, potatoes, and, and potatoes, and macaroni and cheese, and slices of pizza, and sandwiches and burritos. That stuff, while it might taste good for a second, just sits on your waist, and it's going to be harder to get rid of, and it's going to and it's going to slow you down. But if you, I'm not telling you not to eat a lot. I'm not telling you to just go up there and get a, a slice of lettuce. If you look at my plates, I'll come back with three different plates: one with chicken, one with salmon, one with tilapia, and one with flank steak. And when you eat that stuff, I'm telling you, it gets processed easier, it feeds your muscles, and it doesn't just sit on your gut like a big plate of carbs does. I'm not telling you you can't have bread or you can't have some potatoes on your cruise. Of course not. But if you limit that stuff and you limit the sugary drinks, I'm not saying you can't have a pina colada or a margarita or a strawberry daiquiri. By all means, I do too. But instead of eating, drinking 16 pina coladas every day, you know, have a pina colada or two but then maybe go vodka soda like Tommy and I do. Keep it clean. Keep it light. Stuff like that will allow you to enjoy your drinking, enjoy your eating, but limit the sugar, limit the bread, limit the carbs, and you're going to feel so much more energized throughout the day. Um, and especially when you get off that boat, you're not going to have packed on that cruise weight that you then have to spend the next three months of your life getting rid of. Hundred uh, percent. It makes it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. So, hey, let me start with this. When Stu says he goes up and gets three trips to the buffet, and he gets chicken, he gets flank steak, he gets you know tilapia, this and that, whatever. Uh, he's not saying that this is what's gonna. This is a breakfast or diet of champions that's gonna make you a triathlete. But what are we talking about? We're talking about trying to maintain on a cruise we're not telling you to go on a cruise and you're going to come up five pounds less than you are on the cruise or you're going to you know we're not going to say you're not going to go off the rails and you're not going to be a, a, a model of fitness and nutrition on the cruise but what we're just trying to do is give you a couple of little caveats that'll cut some corners and maybe you know what instead of gaining six pounds maybe you stay equal or maybe you gain a two and a half three pounds which is much more manageable for when you get off the ship right Stu? Correct. And, you know, eat a nice, you know, a lot of mistakes people make is they feel like, like I said in the beginning, I'm on a cruise ship. I got to eat three big meals. I got to eat a huge omelet and a muffin and pancakes for breakfast because it's available and I paid for it. I got to eat it. I got to eat this huge buffet lunch. At dinner, you're allowed to order unlimited entrees. So I make sure I, I got to order six, six orders of potatoes, six orders of cream spinach, six orders of, uh, of, of burgers, whatever. And then I got to go to the midnight buffet that they put out and I got to get a slice of pizza, three cheeseburgers and fries. I mean, that's, that's obviously a gross exaggeration, but a lot of people do that because it's there and it's free and they wouldn't normally eat like that in normal, in normal life. So I'm not saying you have to eat like you do in normal life, go a little bit off the rails, but you know, have a nice dinner, eat, eat, a, eat, order the steak and order the salmon entree, fill yourself up and maybe avoid the one o'clock in the morning pizza slob out 
um, as you walk by it back to your room, say to yourself, you know, is that really, is that really, do I really need that right now? Maybe I'll have another vodka soda and chug some water before bed so I can kind of get up tomorrow and feel good about going to eat my breakfast. And then when I go to breakfast, maybe I'll just make a nice big, get a nice big omelet at the omelet station instead of having an omelet and oatmeal and pancakes and sausage um, just because I walk past it. Because you can. And I'll say it too. Like when I do the gym, like he's right. What he said before was no matter what condition you're in when you wake up. And granted, you're probably going to be in not the best condition. But you don't look at it as like – don't look at it as like, oh my gosh, I got to work out because I'm in this bad condition. Look at it as like when I work out. I'll be treating this condition. I'll be kind of like revitalizing myself. And then talk about your, uh, your your little spa run that you love to do. I mean it's it's therapy. And like my friends make fun of me on, on vacations or, and especially on cruises. Like you're such a nut. Why, why it's, You're on vacation. Why do you have to work out? I'm like you don't understand. I'm not gaining anything. I'm not looking to gain muscle or gain you know, abs on this trip. I'm looking to maintain and rejuvenate myself both mentally – and physically so I can eat my face off and drink my face off again today. So when I, I'll go to the gym, whether it's a half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm not spending all morning there. I sweat it all out from the night before. And then if you buy the spa package, which I would recommend to anyone, and I don't work for any of these cruise ships, so I have nothing to gain from this, but spend an extra $100, to $100 and by God, you will be rejuvenated. I go the thermal spa, The thermal spa option. It's unbelievable. I mean, Tommy, Tommy's the one that told me about this when we went on the Splendor. I had never done it before. I go to the gym 30 to 45 minutes. I'm, I have a nice sweat. You then walk into this, this spa. They give you – you, you bought it. You get a bracelet for access that um, no one else can get. And they have all these different rooms where you go in and there's, there's, a, there's all these different steam rooms at different temperatures. And you sit on these rock chaise lounges that we had on the Splendor. I'm sure other ships do it differently. But you sit there and it's like this menthol-scented steam room that just makes you sweat and relax. And there's like this, this peaceful music playing and there's windows overlooking the ocean. And you just lay on one of these heated rock chairs as you just sweat out all the alcohol and food you ate the night before and relax for 10 or 15 minutes as the heat and steam pours over you. And I tell you, you then jump in a cold shower after that and you are ready to start your day to re-eat and re-drink your way through the ship. It was you, Stu, that actually got me going on that because when we – that was on the Splendor. But on the Miracle, we actually uh, – you know, we went to the gym and we would we would do <laughs> – we were doing two-a-days at some point during that, during that cruise. Yeah. And, uh, and you showed me like afterwards, like, now follow me into this sauna. We went into the sauna and after the sauna, we were in the steam room. And it was kind of like a little bit of a free version. Now, Carnival Splendor was one of the first cruise ships from Carnival that actually put a lot more – I guess emphasize on the spa and the wellness. So when I went on the first, my first cruise without was without on the Splendor. Stu was not on, and uh, I just remembered that routine that Stu took me on with the yeah. You work out, you sweat, the blood's going, and then you go into this steam room. You're extra sweaty. You're looking out on the ocean, and you really you know you're on vacation. You just feel so revitalized. And I saw on the Splendor that not only did they have 
the steam rooms that you could just go in, but they also had those, uh, I guess, those ambient and aroma steam rooms. They had a thermal room that you can kind of go in and kind of just chill in. That's just kind of like not necessarily a steam room or a sauna, but it it's a comfortable kind of like, I guess, I, I guess room that's just kind of the, the steam from the steam room when you open the doors just kind of gives it a little bit of a, of a steam kiss and it kind of makes it just a very, very – I guess it's it starts it's the beginning of the process. You're supposed to go in there first, and it just adjusts your body to start getting warm or whatever. And then there's the thalassotherapy pool, which is basically a, a glorified hot tub, but it's extra large, and it's got a bunch of minerals in the water and stuff like that. And it has, uh, I guess, almost like lawn chairs in the water or, or seating. Uh, you know, what, what would you describe it as? It's like a metal recliner underneath yeah. the bubbles. That you kind of lay on as the the whirlpool washes over you, and there's jets behind you over your head. I mean, it's just a, it is one of my favorite parts of the cruise. To be honest, it really is. It really it's is so relaxing. You feel like you're at a world class spa on a boat looking out at the ocean. It's crazy. Then you pop out of there. You walk down. You you know you got your flip flops on. You just did an hour and 15 minutes of just total revitalization. You walk onto the Lido deck. It's like 11.30. You go to the buffet, whatever you're going to grab. Maybe you're going to be good and grab some fruit. Maybe you're going to grab a burger, whatever it is. But, you know, you kind of deserved it. And as Stu says at the end of Riptism, you know, after that that hour and 15-minute run, you know, exercise, the, the weights, and the revitalizational spa, your day is now yours. And uh, it's, a, it's a good feeling. And it's and it's a mental re- rejuvenation too, not just a physical. And obviously, like if you're vain uh, and you and you and you sweat off a few pounds at the gym and you and you and you lifted weights and you and you felt feel a little tone, you feel more confident physically walking out on the deck. But mentally, also even even probably more substantially, you kind of feel like you've now earned your day. I've just put in a little bit of work. I've sweated off all the crap that I put into my body. And now I don't have any guilt about going up onto that deck and getting in line at that buffet or ordering that pina colada. Um, don't don't order 16 of them. Just get one of them. Yeah. Um, with the floater. With the floater. <laughs> um, but you feel like mentally like you've earned your day. And, uh, and you know, if you get up at, at a reasonable hour, you know, I'm not saying get up at 6 a.m. and do this. Get up at 9 o'clock in the morning. By 10 o'clock in the morning – everyone's just waking up on the ship you've already put in the work to earn your next day and you're not piling on pounds every day to where you're going to get off the boat feeling like a disgusting animal thousand percent a couple of things regarding food that i kind of had and I, I made note of and again i'm not necessarily in a position to speak as an authority as as Stu is but one thing uh, uh, just what you can also do is force yourself to eat in the main dining room. What I could tell you about the main dining room, and it's over the years, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I could tell you that the portions have gotten smaller. And I think that is, uh, uh, in a way, kind of designed to kind of steer you a little bit towards the specialty restaurants nowadays. So you could pay, and that's where they can make their money. But um, in the main dining room, if you do just order like a human being, you won't be able to have access to just going up. And yes, you can tell them, I want three, you know, escargots. I want four, you know, spring rolls, six chicken fingers, whatever. You can do all that, but if you can keep it together and just order an appetizer, an entree, and even help, dare I say, a dessert. You're not gonna you can't you can't skip those chocolate You're melting cakes. Have a, have a dessert. Yeah, you can't skip those chocolate melting cakes on Carnival. Uh, yeah. So, so you, so you do that, and you had a sensible meal. Same thing is eating the specialty restaurants. While the portions are a little bit more, and you get a little bit more like specialty item type stuff, and with that may come a little bit more uh, a caloric menu. 
but you're still you're spending money now and you're kind of like if you if you're spending money on each item you may be that you may be a little less apt to start going overboard so some of the restaurants you know, maybe if, if you if you you know we love the buffet because just freedom of just being able to come and go and the variety of what they have there we do like the buffet we, we a lot of times we prefer the buffet but um if you just uh, eat in the restaurants where you sit down and you're given a regular portion, that, that's, that's a good way to do it too. Um, all right, so what else? So talking about drinks, talking about liquor, we touched on it a little bit. Uh, what are some of the you know drinks you may want to gravitate towards or stay away from if you're going to be uh, – Let's just say, uh, let's just let's just gear this towards us drink package fans. Uh, so you're going to be putting them away a little bit most days on the cruise. What would you m- maybe gravitate towards or stay away from? I mean, wise? like I said, I, I you, you need to stay away from too many of the pina coladas, strawberry daiquiris, margar- frozen margaritas, regular margaritas, um, those mudslide drinks, all that stuff, all, and all this tropical specialty umbrella blue. Dr- blue, red, pink drinks that they serve you that, you know, that you're like, wow, I can get a, what's normally a $12 drink for free because I, I bought the drink package. Again, it's going to have no more alcohol than a vodka soda has. And yeah, it's going to taste better. So I'm not saying don't get any of them, but if you drink endless amounts of that, you might as well just go to the buffet and, and stuff your stuff with pizza. It's the same thing. Um, so, you, you know, I'm not telling you to just drink vodka sodas, uh, if that's not your thing. You know, for me, I don't even love the taste of vodka sodas all the time. I'll, I squeeze a hundred lemons and limes to make it taste better. Or another trick that I have, I'll have um, those emergency, you know, the uh, vitamin C emergency packets that that people use, you know, to stave off getting colds. But they have good flavors like raspberry and lemonade and lemon lime and orange. And I'll and I'll drop them into my drink. So now I don't have a vodka soda. I have like an orange or lemon lime flavored vodka soda. It tastes like a lemonade. And I'm getting my buzz that I came there for without slamming, you know, 10 pounds of sugar into my stomach. Oh, yeah. I remember your uh, emergency Aritas. I remember yeah. those. <laughs> but if vodka soda is not your thing, you know, any the clearer stuff is going to be better for you than, than, you know, the rum and Cokes, the Jack and Cokes, uh, that kind of stuff. Try to avoid the sodas. Try to stick with the with the soda, you know, club soda. Um even tonics probably a little bit better for you than getting, you know, drinking straight soda. Um, but you know, anything mixed with club soda is going to be your best bet, you know, but you know, if you want to mix in some, some, you know, vodka diets or rum and diets or whiskey diets, that's not going to kill you. It's, it's the, uh, mudslide thick, you know, margarita type daiquiri type drinks that literally can get away from you. And, and, and also besides what they do to your, to your to your stomach they they also make for the worst hangovers in the morning too 100 percent right and i can attest to that because Stu, you're actually the one who got me on the vodka sodas as well before the first cruise i did i was you know a miller light beer and a shot of jim beam guy and i'm not i I still drink both of those but you said you know when we were at sea that first time you were like dude you want to be able to kind of keep it going all day you want to enjoy your vacation and I did it on that one. And the first couple of times, first couple of days, I was like, oh, this is a little torture drinking this. But you know what? I typically don't drink alcohol per se for taste anyway, so I'll just fight my way through it. But having said that and gone through the years with it and cruising with it, I've ended up associating that refreshing taste of vodka soda with a squeeze of lime to being at sea and being outside and being near the pool. And to me, 
it's delicious now. I really kind of enjoy it. And when you talk about just kind of being able to get the most out of your cruise, and if you're going to be doing some drinking, uh, there's no other way to kind of, you know, for let's just say for every vodka soda, it's a very, very light, refreshing drink. It doesn't really, really tax the system. Your body's not fighting to break down a bunch of sugar in the middle of the day. And you're, you're, you just mix that up with a bottle of water, maybe after every two, two drinks or so. You're going to be able to go from, you know, as soon as you get out of the gym, you take the shower, come out to the Lido deck, 1, 2 o'clock, you're going to be able to go to 2 a.m. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, it's going to hit you harder, too. Drinking that vodka soda, that those clean drinks are going to hit you harder. You're going to get that little little at-sea buzz you're looking for a lot quicker than when if you, if you start sloping down just these pure juice drinks. You know, with not a lot of liquor in them. That's so, a great. That's a great point. You know, you, they put more liquor in that. Like you, you get these tropical drinks. It's all pineapple juice and orange juice and coconut juice, and there's barely any liquor in them. And you're all you're, you're getting all the, the bad effects of the drink with all the sugar. Um, like you're eating 16 bagels. Um, and it's not getting you where you want to go. It's not getting you where you want to be. Exactly. So, I mean, I I I think. I think Stu makes a great point about that. You know, stick to, you know, whether it's tonic, whether it's soda, uh, you know, uh, uh, stuff like that. You know, if you want to do some beers, who doesn't like a nice Corona? You know what I mean? It's see, it's all right. Maybe go Corona light. Maybe go make ultra light and mix that up with water. Even though I'm sure you probably wouldn't recommend beer as the uh, as the first option, but no, you but know, again, in moderation. Everything in moderation. Yeah. Have a couple beers during the day. Don't have twenty beers. Mix them in with the vodka sodas. Yeah. Makes perfect, perfect and sense. And water too. You made a good point with the water. It's not not only is it important to stay hydrated because you're going to be sweating more than normal out at sea in the 80 degree, 90 degree heat. So mix in water. You're going to stave off that hangover, and it's going to kind of fill you up a little bit, and it's going to keep you from overeating if you stay filled up with a little water all day. Absolutely. All right. So what else do you have? Any other general tips on, I guess, how to not become a complete slob while at sea? Just general. General stuff. I, I think just you know besides the gym, which I mentioned. And by the way, with the gym, if you're not a morning gym person, um, and I think that, I, like I said, I think getting it over with, so you have your whole day in front of you, and you've kind of sweated out the the uh, the night before early, so you can look at the day and be like, oh my gosh, I have no more chores left to do today. It's just pure vacation. I've already sweated it out. I put in my hour at the gym. Now the day is mine. I like the morning, but if you're not a morning person, then instead of that six o'clock p.m nap before dinner after you've spent all day in deck for me it's always i've always felt way more rejuvenated rather than taking an hour nap before dinner hitting the gym right before dinner sweating it out then and then you've kind of cleared your stomach you've sweated it all out and now you're ready to go have a nice full dinner and go drinking all night so whether it's you know the 9 a.m or the 5 or 6 p.m workout either one of those works or both sometimes maybe you do a half an hour of each you know if you're uh if you're if you're into fitness like i am but also besides the gym just being as active as you can on the ship, maybe taking the stairs instead of taking the elevator sometimes, maybe doing some walks around you know, the deck just to explore the ship. When you get off at port, instead of sitting on a beach chair at some resort, maybe do one of the more active excursions and go on a hike um, you know, through, through some tropical forests or, or you're climbing up you know, one of those cool you know, cave mountain things with waterfalls. Something active just to keep you moving is, is, is better than just being sedentary. I think all of those are absolutely tremendous points, and uh, I don't know. If anybody has any questions, feel free to email me, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com, 
and I will absolutely get with Stu and we will have an answer for you. I've had I've actually got some fitness questions, kettlebell questions and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? Some stuff works for me, but uh that kind of prompted me to kind of ask you to come on the show, buddy, because uh I was like, you know what? If I'm going to start getting fitness questions, Listen, I like to work out. I like to stay active. I've been an athlete all my life, but at this point in the game, I am not by any stretch of the ma- uh, imagination uh, a moniker of uh, fitness. So I would figure I figured I would just go right to the uh, horse's mouth, which brings me to what you uh, a project you've been working on, and it's very very close to your heart. And I've seen it, and I've done it. I've done it. I've fallen off. I've got back on the horse. I've gotten off. I've fallen off again. Uh, this riptism. It's riptism is a uh, a video workout designed by Stu and his partner Jeff and uh it, it's 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 amazing I can tell you right now this thing is just tailor-made by two professionals that will absolutely at least get you on your way to being ripped and if you wouldn't mind Stu could you uh talk a little bit about riptism well I appreciate the kind words Tommy yeah it's uh it's high intensity interval training you know Jeff and I are, have both been fitness buffs for a long time and we'd heard a lot from our friends who had done a lot of the commercial fitness programs in the market, which you know all do do a fine job. I've done them, P90X, Insanity, stuff like that. And they're like, well, what's next? Like, what, 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 what else is out there if I want to be challenged? Or even if I'm not, you know, um, an extreme athlete that ne- that wants to do intense fitness programs, what can I do that's quick and efficient that lets me get it done and go about my day? Um, and we came up with Riftism. It's a, it's a, it's 20 different videos, 35 minute workouts. So it's super efficient. You're not spending hours in the gym. And the beauty of it is it's streaming. You don't have to go to the gym at all. You can go to the gym and do it on your iPhone or your iPad or your laptop. Or if you have a couple sets of dumbbells in your house, you just do it on your living room floor or in your garage or in your driveway or in your basement, wherever on your phone, on your tablet, if you have Apple TV, you stream it to your TV. And once you sign up, the other beauty of it is it's yours for life. Most of these video programs out there, you get 10 videos, you pay $100, or you, you're you're subscribing to them at $5 a month. Um, this, you know, it's super cheap. I think we're selling it at like $39.99 right now for 20 different videos. So you're basically spending $2 a video, and it's yours for life. It's, it's there's 20 videos structured over 60 days. Uh, and you can do it as many times as you want. You can repeat those 60 days when you're done. You can pick and choose which ones you do. It's all laid out for you. So you just you just literally click the video you want to do, whether it's a cardio video or a weight video. We have it structured in three different tiers over 60 days um, to get the most benefit. But you know you can kind of pick and choose and go at your own pace. We give modifications for beginners if you're not you know ready to take it up a notch. If you're super fit, um, I promise you this will challenge you. Uh, and if you're not fit at all, it will also challenge you and you can press pause. We encourage it. We give you modifications to do easier versions of each move. Um, and you can stream it anywhere you go, even on a, on a cruise ship. You just oh, I, I wore out that pause button when I was doing it. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it. You don't even have to finish it. You don't have to finish every interval. You can press pause and then start again. You can kind of crap out early. But it's so efficient in 35 minutes, which with high intensity intervals, you're not getting a lot of rest. You know, you see a lot of people spending three hours in the gym, but they're not really doing anything. They'll do a set of bench press, they'll get on their phone for two minutes, and then they'll do another set. And you got a home. camera in my gym? What are you doing? You watching me work out? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Meathead workouts. We're like, yeah, I was in the gym for two hours. You're like, yeah, you worked out for about 10 minutes. This, you're literally working out the whole time. You know, a quick two minute warm up and a quick two minute cool down. The other 30 minutes. You're going hard. 
you're, you know, you're doing a, a move for 45 seconds or 30 seconds. You're getting like a 10, 15 second break and you're going right back into the next move. And so perfect for, for cruising because you don't have a lot of time to spend in the gym. You kind of get in, you have a structure, you press play, you know what you're doing. We're leading you through a workout. You know, either Jeff or I is doing a move while the other's kind of narrating and telling you modifications and instructing you and motivating you. Any then, device, right? Any device. Any device. You know, any smartphone, any iPad, any computer. Um, it's really easy to use. Once you join, you get, you know, an access code. You set up your username and 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 uh, password. And then you go onto the mem- member homepage. You click your, your – I'm on day one. I click day one. That's the workout I'm doing today. Um, it's really cool. Uh, I appreciate the kind words, Tommy. You know, we're trying to we're trying to get it out there, um, get people used to using it. But the feedback's been great. Everyone using it. We have people from other countries all over the world using it now and loving it, asking us when we're going to make Riptism too. So hopefully that'll be coming out this year. Um, but uh, the the feedback's been really good, and uh, you know, hopefully we can start competing with the big fitness giants out there and, and get the get the word out. Well, you should be because I can tell you this right now. Me and Stuart buddies, as you guys have probably uh, uh, found out by now, but the truth is, is that I did it, and Chris did it, and anybody that we've sent it to in all like circle, uh, we've kind of gotten competitive with it, and we really, really understand. I can tell you this: a, a couple of things. One thing about this is that you're not going to plateau. You're not going to uh, because honestly, you're probably not going to be able to do the full perfectly formed movements for the full uh, amount of seconds allotted so you're doing your best so your work gives you it's giving you something to work towards so where you're not really plateauing and second of all i could also say is that it is a full body workout so you're sweating your ass off you're getting your cardio in but at the same time it's hitting every single body part so you are actually getting a little bit of a muscle building benefit from this as well without without question even even on the days where they're not a cardio specific workout and there are days where it's just cardio and there's no weights but even the days that they're weights and it's you know there might be a chest day there might be an arms day um which there is but you're going at such an intensity that even if you're doing a by try day you're doing it so quickly and with not a lot of break in between moves that you're getting a cardio workout at the same time you're building muscle, which is the best way, high-intensity intervals, mixing cardio with weights. You're going to burn the most calories. You're going to lose the most weight. You're going to build the most muscle. Um, it's really the, the best bang for your buck, and it just is efficient for people that have kids or, or, or all-encompassing jobs where they don't have two hours to go to the gym. This gets it done it's literally all I do to work out. People look at me and they're just like, oh, you must spend three hours in the gym. No, I literally do my own riptism program for 35 minutes a day because I don't want to work out for two hours either. But I know that I'm going to be soaked in sweat. My muscles are going to be pumped up and then I can go about my day, which is perfect for vacations too. You know, you buy the, you know, the one thing you do need is a Wi-Fi or, or internet connection, a data connection. So on the ship, you know, you, you buy, which most people do, the, the Wi-Fi package so Which can, is way, way, way more affordable than it was even two, three years ago. Exactly, exactly. So rather than you know buying a personal trainer on the ship at you know eighty-five dollars an hour to train you, buy your thirty-dollar Wi-Fi package on the ship so you can text your buddies on the ship, and then you can stream uh, Riptism and do it. But whether you're doing my Riptism program or something else, you know, fitness on the ship is you know doesn't have to be a two-hour ordeal. Whether it's my program, another program, or your own thing. Get on the treadmill, do a circuit around the weights, and don't stop for half an hour. 
Absolutely. Take little short breaks. Don't spend three hours in the gym, but keep your heart rate up. Stop for 15, 30 seconds. Go right into the next thing. Get in, get out, and you will be soaked rather than texting or checking your phone or walking around for three minutes in between every exercise. 100%. So that's uh, so pretty much your one-stop shop. Any more education you want to get up, get about it or any uh, little trailer videos you want to see to get some more information, riptism.com, right? That's pretty much all they got to do, right? That's it. That's it. And we'll get back to you if you have questions. You can email us on the website. You'll see it. Go to riptism.com and uh, there's, a, there's a free workout up there if you want to try it out. Um, there's a full 35-minute workout up there. You can give it a shot. Um, and we'll get back to you with any questions you have. Yeah, just check it out, guys. Do it like you said. You know, whether you do his, whether you do somebody else's, stay active on the cruise. And we just wanted to get some cruise, I guess, fitness tips on there. But uh, Stu, I really, really appreciate you coming on, spreading some, uh, spreading some knowledge that you might have regarding the subject. Uh, me and me and Stu are real pumped up about a cruise that we have coming up in about whoa, what is whoa. it? <laughs> what is it? About 160 days or something like that. Yeah, you, you know you got a problem when you start counting down your vacation six months in advance. We will definitely be having Stu back on to preview our trip on the uh, Norwegian Escape that is going to be on September 30th. Really, really pumped up about that. Stu, man, thanks again, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on. No thanks necessary, my, my friend. It's my pleasure. Uh, I love talking to you, as you know, and uh, love talking cruising, love talking fitness. So it was, uh, it was a one-stop shop for me, perfect night. Absolutely. We're going to do it again soon. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Talk to you. All right. So hope you enjoyed the interview with Stu. Hope you got something out of that. More importantly, hope it was entertaining, informative, and it connected with you in some way, shape, or form. So uh, final segment of this seemed to be like a marathon type of show. As we said before, we would go over some listener emails, and uh, I wanted to kind of keep that going this week. I Went a little quick this week because, I know, like I said, we've, we've been on for a while now. So I know a lot of you guys, this is like a two-commute, three-commute uh, listen for you guys this episode alone. So let's just go through some of the emails right now. Okay, here we go. Starting it up. Tommy, really? Carnival Spirit sails from New York? It's based permanently in Sydney. I think you also mentioned no upgrade for the Spirit, which does have the 2.0 facelift. We are in Sydney and Carnival Fanatics. The Spirit is, quote-unquote, our boat, and we borrow the legend six months of the year. I was keen on your talk, and when I heard that, question mark, question mark. No mention of the two ships in Sydney at all? Enjoyed your talk, though, and have subscribed. Thanks, Rob. All right, Rob. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I wanted. This is what I've been asking for. And this makes me feel good and warm and fuzzy inside that people are not going to hesitate to get on me when I mess up. As I said, some stuff would be wrong, and I welcome and encourage the corrections. Uh, as far as saying the spirit was out of New York, if I, I, say, I guess I said that. If you say I said that, I said that. Uh, I, I trust that you listened, and I do apologize for that. That was – Definitely just like basically a verbal typo. Made a mistake on that. I don't even know what it is. Maybe it just comes along with uh, <laughs> speaking into a microphone uh, to myself for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes in some cases. But uh, I did make that mistake. Uh, honestly, though, uh, the, as far as the 2.0 on the Spirit, yes, that was an incorrect statement that I made. The Spirit uh, does sail out of Sydney, Australia all year long. And it does have most of, if not all, of the 2.0 upgrades. Uh, I agree. Australia deserves a new build. 
uh, like some of the people in Australia are talking about. And I'm going to act like I'm Mr. Australia, like I know a ton about your market. But honestly, Rob, now that I know that there are some people listening from Australia, I will actually spend a little bit more time making sure I do have some knowledge that I can bring to the table regarding Australia. Um, and I agree, like I said, Australia does deserve a new build. Uh, as we said before, they will get my beloved Splendor when it is refurbished as a P&O uh, ship. Uh, like you said, that is, quote-unquote, your ship, uh, the uh, Spirit. That's my ship, uh, quote-unquote. The uh, Splendor is an absolutely beautiful ship. Uh, but, yeah, it is about time that you guys do get a new build, and I hope you guys get one soon. It was supposed to happen with that Carnival ship. It's not happening this time. It looks like Royal Caribbean is showing you guys a lot of love, but... Uh, who cares about that, right, Rob? Because you are a carnival loyalist, and I, I respect that, honestly. So I am sorry about the misinformation. I am sorry about the mental typo, and I will do my best to make sure I have my act together in the future regarding the info that I am passing along to you guys. So consider that a correction. All right, moving on. This is actually a review on my page, and it was kind of interesting. It was by Tracy. Tracy says, he is clearly well-traveled. And this is the review he's putting out there. So this isn't a listener email. It's a review that I wanted to react to. He is clearly well-traveled, offers great info, but doesn't seem to be a fan of family and the 61-plus crowd. And this is another one in that vein, a little bit of a dig, little mini troll. And honestly, if I were you, Tracy, and I don't know, you probably have a family or you're 61-plus, one or the other, I probably would have taken that the same way you did too. But please let me explain. That's why I'm so glad you said it, so glad you put it out there. I have nothing against families. I try to talk as much as possible uh, about how – Cruising is such a family-friendly experience and how some cruise lines do it better than others based on how much of a premium they place on, you know, catering to the families, whether it's Disney, whether it's, you know, DreamWorks with Royal Caribbean, whether it's uh, Dr. Seuss with Carnival and uh, formerly uh, Nickelodeon with Norwegian, but they switched it up and they went another direction. The actual name of the company escapes me, but I think even Norwegian is doing it as, as, as good and as as, as intense as they possibly can, even though they may not be affiliated today with a big name, you know, production company like the other cruise lines are. Uh, I do have no problem with families whatsoever. Uh, same thing with 61 plus year olds. And I know what you're referring to because what I said was 61 plus is that number that I used when I said a lot of the center, Serenity decks are filled with not 21 and over. It's only it's 21 and over to get in, but it seems like it's 61 and over. So uh, I could see why that maybe could have been taken as a little bit offensive, but the truth is, is if you are me, and I'm no spring chicken, I'm you know in my early 40s, and uh, you know there's plenty of 21 year olds that are probably looking at people that me and I'm people I'm cruising with and saying, oh those old people there too. I, I don't necessarily look at it like that. I want as many people from as many different demographics around me as possible when I cruise. I do think at some points, whether it's the nightclub, I think there should be at certain certain times little getaways and little escapes to where you can kind of find and uh, experience uh, like-minded or like lifestyle type people with you in on the cruise. But again, you know, it's just if 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 you know, let's just say if a 61 year old went down into the nightclub and there was all people between 21 and 23 or 24 in the nightclub, 
that you know, 64, 65 year old person would probably look at the nightclub and be like, all right, well, this isn't really my scene. That's all it is. It's nothing's better, nothing's worse. It's not anything that I like or dislike. It's like sometimes if it's just all, you know, plus a certain age or all families in this area, it's not necessarily the area that I'm going to gravitate most towards. Uh, the Lido Deck is a great, great area where it's plenty of, you know, whether it's diverse in terms of, you know, age or whatever it is, you know, family staff, family status or whatever it is. You know, I pl- spend plenty of time there, but it is nice to know sometimes that you can go to an area on a carnival ship where it's mostly people in your kind of age bracket having a good time. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just nice to know that that's out there. And all I was saying was that the Serenity deck isn't necessarily a replacement for that. I, uh, I absolutely, I do appreciate, and it was a good review too. You guys, he, uh, Tracy gave me, I think, four to five stars. So I do appreciate that. He says I'm well-traveled and offers great info. But again, Tracy, if you were offended by that at all whatsoever, uh, I apologize. It didn't really mean to come off that way. Hopefully you understand. All right, moving on. Tommy, great job on the Panama Canal podcast. Funniest part, don't miss the ship and get stranded in a native village or something like that. That was dope. By the way, you taught me that word. (laughs) I remember that episode when I said, uh, you know what? I tried to take dope out for a walk a little bit when I was, you know, in my my early 40s. I'm trying to describe things as dope. And uh, it just didn't take. It didn't stick. I just felt a little, eh, you know, I'm not going to pull off dope. So I'm going to go back to, you know, my, you know, Generation X X vernacular, sick, awesome, cool, stuff like that. Stay in my lane with that regard. I'm not going to try to pull off dope or fleek or lit or any of that type of stuff (laughs) all right moving on uh man i like your stories about the people you meet either at the bar or on the cruise ship tell more stories you're a great storyteller and make me laugh my ass off wow that's really nice of you to say i appreciate that moving on okay so my wife and i love cruising on the carnival breeze we take four week-long cruises each year in february may september and december out of galveston oh God bless you. That is awesome. You know what? If you can take four cruises a year, uh, good for you, man. And it seems like you love that breeze and you stay on it. I think you're getting a couple of new ships and couple some new options coming up, aren't you? Uh, all right, moving on. We always get the Deck 12 spa rooms with the balcony. We just love cruising. And thinking about cruising gets us through the week. We buy the Patron Silver in liter bottles on the ship because of the low price. Good point. Make some of your alcohol purchases while you can't per se legally drink them uh or enjoy them on the ship they are you know sold at duty-free prices discounted prices so get yourself some patron silver which is uh you know close to 50 sometimes more than 50 dollars a liter on land driving my alcohol costs at the bar way way up because i don't know man keeping that staff off that freaking silver you got to put a freaking alarm on the cap to get them to not drink it but just actually had to uh, part ways with somebody for doing that too much to an excessive rate. Hopefully that set that example and it won't happen anymore. All right, moving on. Sorry. It makes excellent margaritas when we get home, but we have to pay a tax when we leave the terminal on uh, – uh, we have, But we have to pay a tax when we leave the terminal on all alcohol. I think it's a Texas thing. It might be a Texas thing. I don't know, sir. Um, hey, Tommy, tell, more, tell some more mafia stories. 
I sure missed The Sopranos. Well, that was a huge coincidence because I talked about The Sopranos, a show that's more than 10 years old, and uh, I, I kind of referenced it in the intro, and I swear that is that was a complete coincidence that that happened. But uh, hopefully you'll uh, listen to that and you'll, you'll hear some. That'll have to suffice as the mafia stories because, you know... <laughs> I had known nothing about the real mafia. I'm, I'm mafia crime. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a documentary buff. I love that stuff. So I do know a lot about that stuff because I've just watched a lot of A&E and uh, a lot of Spike TV and a lot of uh, mob movies. But I have no real mob stories whatsoever at all. Never have. Never will. Uh, whatever. Tell any story you like. They're all good. Some are just better than the rest. Well, hopefully I'll try to keep those good ones coming. And tell some more pocket stories, too. We just touched on pockets a little bit with Stu a little while ago. Okay, Tommy, got to go. Sorry, didn't mean to keep you. Got to go to bed, and we will write more later. Keep those podcasts coming, Bob. Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I will. I'll do the best I can to keep coming with the stories. Today we were a little story heavy, though. Uh, Hopefully you guys were okay with that. Moving on. Okay. Hi, Tommy. Let me start by saying congratulations on your new podcast. I first heard your ship reviews on Cruise Radio and thoroughly enjoyed them. I took Doug's advice and have been following you ever since. Wow, Doug. Appreciate that. If you, uh, Doug, Doug, the godfather out there giving me shout outs and uh, giving me props, I appreciate that. And again, like I always say, every chance I get, if you don't know about cruiseradio.net and you're listening to this show, hit stop immediately. And go listen to Doug's show because Doug is the real deal. He's got a wealth of information. He's got many, many years of just cruising experience. He's an insider. When I tell you insider, he gets on whatever ship when he wants. He knows the executives. I think he was just on a Vista ship. And this freaking guy is interviewing Jay Leno on a Carnival Live sailing. I'm like, he landed Jay Leno? Doug, good for you. So I'm looking forward for that episode to come out. But uh, Doug, if, if you uh, or, you know, if you advise this person to listen to my show, I really, really appreciate that. High praise from a high, uh, high place. Uh, your podcast episodes are a form of escape between bookings, and like you, I am always booked. Yes, I love hearing that. While not a veteran of the big three, I have taken ten princess cruises, ranging in diversity from Alaska to Tahiti to South America to the Mexican Ri- Mexican Riviera and the Caribbean. I just returned from a seven day California. Postal two weeks ago. Future bookings are a short West Coast cruise in September and a Southeast Asia cruise from March 2018. Keep up the good work, and if you ever require any info regarding Princess, I am your guy. While not quite Vicky and Bernie level of expertise, uh, who the hell are Vicky and Bernie? <laughs> Sorry. I am extremely knowledgeable regarding the Princess brand and have ex- uh, a background in media and public speaking. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, one of your episodes, you spoke of a piracy ship and ship security. I, too, had an interest in this topic and found out the following. I asked about it uh, an officer. I asked about it in an officer Q&A as one brushed off. And that I know you will be brushed off on those because any situation of a Q&A that I've ever experienced, they do not comment on security. Moving on. After the public forum, a few of the officers and I had a, uh, I had befriended on the 14-day voyage confirmed my research to be true. Uh, here is an in- inductory link, but the truth be known, cruise ships are equipped with LRAD. And I did look at – this is Darren from Canada. 
Darren, thank you so much for the email. It really, really means a lot that you're listening. It means more than you'll ever know. And it really means even more that you're subscribing and actually taking the time to write. Uh, and that's so, so appreciated. And you are the, you are the absolute man. And uh, he provided me with a link, and he was telling me about uh, the cruise ships. They are equipped with LRAD. Uh, and what that is is pretty much, you know, if I'm going to, I'm not going to click on the link now. I'm just going to kind of, the short version of what it is is sound. It's sonic, uh, I guess, a sonic mechanism of defense. If somebody tries to board the ship, get too close to the ship, whatever, uh, threaten the ship in any way from a close range, this intolerable, absolutely out of control noise gets kind of like, uh, I guess, resonated from the cruise ship. And it's not just that it's a noise. It's actually just a palpable vibration where your kind of head feels like it's exploding. And it really, really makes it Im- difficult to impossible to get anything done while that's kind of being, you know, generated around you. So, uh, again, Darren, thank you for that information. And thank you so much for the support. And that's going to do it this week, ladies and gentlemen, for the Always Be Booked podcast. Man, we had a long run there, and I appreciate you guys hanging in there for the whole thing if you did. And, uh, again, please find me on Instagram, Always Be Booked or ABB Cruising. Uh, iTunes and Stitcher, subscribe, rate, review, share, follow, listen, do all that stuff. Uh, email me. I want some more emails, guys. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. And what else is there? That's about it. By the way, riptism.com. Check out Stu's site. Works real hard. It's really a labor of love. The guy already told you. If you don't want to use his stuff, use somebody else's. You want to go pay $100 for something else, go ahead and do it. But I can tell you right now, uh, stuff works. And you can go see for yourself. You tell me what you guys think of it. And uh, uh, you know, we appreciate you listening once again. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will talk to you next time. Always be welcome. Take care. There's a place. Where the boat leaves from, it takes away all of your big problems. You could worry, you could drive them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from. Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part shade of a banana tree. And the drinks are cold, and the reggae is hot. And I know this is the place for me. Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away. I love your big problems. You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves. Jimmy.
work a big problem. You can work as you can drop them in a blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from. So get away to where the boat leaves from. It takes away.